Greetings and welcome to America in Focus, presented by the Center Square, the podcast where we talk about the week's news coming out of the nation's capital and how it impacts Americans back home. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. Joining me in a moment will be Casey Harper, the Center Square's Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief. First, a couple of headlines. In the past week, two separate indicators were released that reinforce economists' concerns about the rapid rate of inflation in the U.S. In one, the administration of President Joe Biden announced a historic increase in benefits paid out through the Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, also known as SNAP or food stamps. The program provides lower-income families with benefits to purchase food. In the second, analysts are predicting that the U.S. Social Security Program, which provides monthly benefits to the nation's retired citizens, also will see an historic cost of living increase. President Biden has tried to assuage fears of the rapidly rising inflation, which drives up consumer costs for all Americans, saying it's only temporary. But with both taxpayer-funded programs expecting significant cost of living increases, does that mean inflation is going to be with us for a while? This and more coming up right after this. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at thecentersquare.com the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com, thecentersquare.com. And welcome back to America in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Dan McCaleb. Joining me once again is Casey Harper, Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief for the Center Square. Casey, welcome back. Thanks, Dan. That Center Square sounds like a pretty cool place. We should check it out. You can do that easily if you have a smartphone, a desktop computer, a laptop computer. Um, Just log on to thecentersquare.com. Do you know anyone who doesn't have any one of those things nowadays? I don't. I can't think of a single person who doesn't have an electronic. Um, I I will say my mom. She has she has a cell phone, but she does not have a smart cell phone. Um, she up and uh, up until recently, she didn't have wireless service at her house. Um, so wow. yes, I do know someone like that. So the only person in America who's not a reader of the Center Square is your mother. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> that is a sad state of affairs, is it not? Mm. Well, obviously, the big story out of out of Washington this week was Afghanistan. We tend, though, um, and and, and uh, what's the uh, the uprising that's going on there with Taliban taking control of Afghanistan cities? We tend to focus here on American focus, though, on domestic issues that affect taxpayers back back home. So, why don't we start, uh, Casey, with the with the inflation cost? Because I know what a lot of Americans are concerned about rising prices, rising prices. Excuse me, at the grocery store, at the gas station, mm-hmm. and and whatnot. Um, let's start with the um, the supplemental nutritional food program. Uh, what's going on there? Right. So, uh, you know, SNAP, food stamps, um, however you want to refer to it, uh, is getting the really a historic change. So uh, the Biden administration announced this week that uh, food stamps or SNAP will get the really the largest increase in the program's history. So if any of our listeners um, receive those benefits, uh, you are about to start receiving, I believe it's a 27% increase in benefits. So the obvious question is, 
wow, why is it happening? Uh, that's a big increase. Are there more, you know, people on the program? What's going on? But the the reason it's going up is something we've been talking about a lot on our website and our reporting and on this podcast, and that is inflation. Inflation, food prices are on the rise. It just costs more to feed, house, clothe, and drive around a family of four than it has in um, in a long time, really, in decades, actually, as the prices rise. So, uh, you know, we've covered uh, in June of this year, we saw the largest, almost a 1% cost um, goods uh, price increase which was the largest since the 2008 financial crisis. Now, 1% sounds small, but you think about if goods increased 1% every month. Every month, right. be, Yeah, well, it would, it, there's no, there's no um, <clears throat> investment that can really outpace that. So you'd actually, money in your savings account would be just tremendously losing value. Even your 401k would be losing value because the inflation would rise faster than the value of your investments. So, um, that one month thing was a real uh, red flag, but basically the U.S. Department of Agriculture does this report called the Thrifty Food Plan. So it's a big report. It's very long, as government reports tend to be. But one of the main things in it is they evaluate based on food prices, uh, how much it costs to healthily feed a family of four. And uh, they found that because of inflation, it's risen more than ever. And, and now uh, people need a raise. So this isn't this isn't a, a, a criticism of the program. There's certainly um, uh, pl plenty of lower income Americans that need help, particularly uh, families, and they that need to feed feed their kids. But this is indicative. Uh, this is a monthly benefit. Uh, it's a it's a payout to Americans who qualify, um, and the increase has to do with the amount of those monthly benefits that Americans will get, and it's tied directly to the infl to inflation, right? The the consumer mm -hmm. costs. Right, right. And, and it, I'll point out, as you alluded, this is not a partisan thing. This is not even, you know, Republicans attacking food stamps or Democrats going out of their way to give a raise. There's just uh, things in, that have been put in place to keep pace with inflation. And so this is kind of like a bureaucratic decision based on previous law. There's not really anything partisan going on here. Um, just to give you an idea, so the benefits are going to increase on average by $36.24 a person or $1.19 a day. And that will begin um, in October of this year, October 1st. And so, you know, family of four, $36, obviously, um, I didn't, you know, I'm just a journalist, so I can't do math, but that's over $140 in that realm. So uh, it, it's, you know, obviously gonna make the program more expensive. As a general rule, uh, the polling suggests Americans are not too hard on food stamps. They understand they want people to eat. And I think the, the bigger implication here is that inflation is is very real it's having real world implications not just on you know every, uh on the government spending but also on just what people have to pay so uh right taxpayers, at, taxpayers support this program right well taxpayers support it and also taxpayers go to the grocery store and so this is federal recognition that it's more expensive to live and so you can imagine the family who makes just a little bit more and who doesn't qualify for food stamps but we have, you know, government report proof that that family is having to pay more and more money uh, just to meet their necessities. Right. And it's not like their wages are likely going up to meet that because uh, inflation is outpacing the wage growth. And so um, there's different angles on it. But I mean, it's obviously, you know, the families that are getting the benefit are going to be happy about this. But overall, it's a it's not a good sign for uh, the trend. And that's why we're keeping an eye on it. 
Well, let, let's let's move on to the second uh, indicator that we talked that I talked about up front um, regarding inflation, and that's um, Social Security, Social Security's program uh, that was mm-hmm. created. Where during your working adult lives, Americans, uh, the, the federal government takes money uh, set aside, uh, puts it in a, a social security account. And when you retire, um, and there are certain age limits uh, when you can qualify um, for social security benefits, uh, but when you retire, you get a portion of that month, that money back on a monthly basis. And that all the cost of living adjustment on that is also expected to see a, a significant rise. Right. And I do want to stress this is not official yet, but. Uh, experts, you know, the Senior Citizens League is who we reference in the reporting here, but they've predicted um, that the annual cost of living adjustment, which is what it sounds like, you know, the amount of money that they that experts predict senior citizens need to, you know, meet their needs, uh, is going to increase the highest since 1983. Um, now, obviously, uh, maybe some of our listeners may remember that coming out of the 70s. Um, we had a really a problem with inflation, a big problem. And so uh, the fear is that we're getting back to those levels. Um, but, you know, what, what this is just really another indicator like the other one. And, and the Biden administration has tried to say that this is temporary. It's not that big a deal. Like it's going to go away. Don't worry about it. Um, the pushback to that would be, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And every week reporting on more and more smoke. <laughs> and so if government programs are increasing, if, you know, nonpartisan bureaucrats are releasing reports saying that we're having to give historic increases to food stamps, to give the biggest uh, increases to senior citizens in almost 30 years. Um, it kind of, it goes against that argument that this is just a blip and it's not consequential, which a lot of uh, people in the White House are trying to say. Right. Of course, President Biden is in his, in his first term and um, it's, it's been this year um, when in- inflation has seen month over month over month significant increases, more significant than um, than the recent years um, in the past. So it's understandable from a political standpoint um, why he he and his administration would try to downplay it. But these, I mean, these are two government-run programs run by the federal government that uh, right. President Biden oversees now. So these are pretty solid indicators that uh, inflation is not good. Uh, and that uh, Americans are are going to be are currently paying and probably going to be paying significantly more. As you mentioned, the grocery stores, the gas stations, um, things like that. Yeah, and there have been there was a slight increase um, in inflation towards the end of the Trump administration, but it really has. It's interesting. It really has um, taken off since Biden took office. I believe a. You know, there's, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, energy prices have really skyrocketed um, and that has contributed. And, you know, uh, you know, Biden has put a moratorium on new oil and gas drilling. And so I do think actually that some of the price increases aren't entirely inflation. It's some of Biden's policies that are making certain parts of American life more expensive. Um, well, certainly his, his, his spending programs that you've written about at the centersquare.com as well, um, the infrastructure mm-hmm. bill, um, the, the uh, supplemental budget, uh, the $3 trillion. Um, the COVID Relief Act, you know, the different stimuluses that people have gotten. You know, Obviously, there's pros and cons to those plans, but at a certain point, if you keep sending out the money by the trillions, then it's going to lead to inflation. It's unavoidable. 
Um, and we've seen a lot of that this year, especially, you know, the last couple of years, but especially this year. Um, and so we're seeing the, the implications of it. Well, let's move on to our next headline. Uh, Casey, you referenced uh, just a minute ago there the, the, the ban on new leases in the oil and gas industry from federal lands. Um, uh, in June, um, the, a federal judge struck down that ban on new leases. Um, but some critics have said the Biden administration has been slow to respond to that and um, offer up new leases uh, uh, for drilling on federal um, land. And now we learn uh, that the Biden administration is going to appeal that decision and continue to fight. What can you tell us about this story? Right. Well, like you said, this was a day one decision for the Biden administration. They said federal lands, no new oil and gas leases. This was about as far away from the Trump administration as you could get. Trump had been very aggressively uh, pro-drilling and really, you know, made the way. And that combined with new advances in, or uh, implementation of fracking really went a long way to make the U.S. basically energy independent. Right. And uh, now, you know, Biden has made this thing, this order um, or more than a dozen states uh, sued to stop it. And like you said, in June, the federal judge uh, ruled against the Biden administration, but uh, you may not know this, uh, but uh, it's bureaucracies can move pretty slow and be pretty um, epically inefficient if they really want to be. And I think that's what was happening with giving out these new leases. Uh, the Biden administration said, sure, yeah, you won the, the case, but uh, they can really drag their feet and drag um, drag these things out. And it sounds like they, that's what they were doing. Right. But, Particularly when they disagree with the decision or in the, other, right. the opposite end of the decision, like the Biden administration was here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of things that bureaucrats can do to uh, slow walk uh, different policies. I mean, right. we, we saw it with Trump's building of the wall. And um, if the institutions are against it, they can do a lot to slow things down. Um, of course, the Biden administration's saying oil and gas emissions um, uh, affect the climate, uh, negatively impact uh, uh, the, the climate. And that's their reason for doing it. But there are also negative impacts of that. Americans, um, families, businesses, um, pretty much everybody relies on oil and gas for, for energy. Um, a number of states, uh, a number of energy producing states have filed suit against the Biden administration to uh, overturn uh, this lease ban. Uh, where are we at with all that? Yeah, well, we'll um, it's in process. We haven't had any big developments. Trump, uh, the Biden administration is going to appeal um, the ruling, the June ruling, and they are going, they have said that they're going to begin issuing these new leases. So um, we'll see. The interesting thing in this is if you can make the U.S. stop producing as much oil, but that doesn't really do anything to very much to slow consumption. Demand is so, still there, right? You still right. Need and so Americans are going to keep driving their cars. They're just going to be doing it with Middle East oil opposed to oil from America. And so uh, that, I mean, that even plays into the Afghanistan thing. You know, uh, I suspect and even predict that Oil, you know, gas prices are going to continue to rise because in, any Middle East stability causes gas prices to rise when the U.S. is more reliant on Middle Eastern oil, which we are becoming increasingly so because of these this moratorium. And so, uh, but it also has a very strong local economic impact. So, uh, the state of Wyoming commissioned a report to study, you know, and evaluate what the impact of Biden's moratorium would be. And these are rough, you know, round numbers, but they found that it would cost 350,000 jobs and $670 billion in GDP in several states, Wyoming, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, Montana, North Dakota, 
California and Alaska. So 350,000 jobs, uh, almost $700 billion by the year 2040. Um, and overall, it would be uh, you know, $640 billion in the nation's GDP by the same year. So um, we're big economic, 350,000 jobs in one industry is it's hard to yeah it's hard to say um overstate how significant that is because the you know it's there may be part of you that wants to say okay you split that out over every state evenly and it kind of gets watered down but that's not really how it works there's whole regions of the country you know whole counties and groups of clusters of counties that the entire local economies are built on oil and gas you know i grew up um in an area in east texas that the working in the oil fields was a very big part of the economy. A lot of guys that I knew worked in the oil field. And so if all those guys lost their jobs, which they would, you know, under this thing, it would uh, it would have a ripple effect throughout the entire economy because these are good paying jobs. Uh, and that's that's the thing. Uh, President Biden says he wants to replace these jobs that will be lost in the uh, oil and gas industry with a green en- new green energy jobs but right now if you do a you know a comparison the average salary that workers are earning in the oil and gas industry um, compared to the green energy industry it's significantly more than the oil and gas industry and and most people most people who study this issue um, um, say that there's no way that you'd be able to replace one for one um, old energy jobs with new energy jobs um, that there will be fewer new energy jobs than old energy jobs um, so, I mean, it's a, it's a significant gamble on the on the economy and, and on Americans um, who rely on the oil and gas industry uh, to make a living. Right. And the, the government, federal government is notoriously bad at following through on these promises of jobs. I mean, infamously, Obama kind of laughed off that his shovel ready jobs weren't quite shovel ready um, when he you know tried to create so many jobs. And so, you know, axing hundreds of thousands of oil and gas jobs with the promise that one day, don't worry, you'll get to build solar panels. <laughs> Doesn't really, you know, mean a lot to the guy who's got to feed his family this year. And oh, by the way, the solar panel is going to actually be built in Arizona, not where you live in Texas. So you can either move or, you know, go work at Home Depot <laughs> or not work anywhere at all. You know, and that's, uh, you know, what's going to end up happening. I think what a lot of other, you know, people on more on the other side of this issue of or criticizing what Biden's doing or saying is how about we um, get rid of the oil and gas jobs when the new energy jobs are already here. There you go. Let's focus on, let's create the solar panel factories that are ready to go and then transition people away instead of killing the jobs first with the promise of a future new job that may or may not materialize. Very good point. But uh, we have time to talk about one more uh, story, uh, Casey, and it wouldn't be a news program and, 2021, if we didn't talk about COVID-19, I suppose. Um, uh, uh, The Biden administration announced today that um, uh, most Americans will be uh, eligible to get a third uh, shot, what's being called a booster uh, shot uh, on top of the COVID-19 vaccine. Tell us more about this. Yeah, so if you have been vaccinated, uh, this is big news for you. And what, what this is mean, this is really a almost a federal change in position by the leading health experts. They're saying you should get a booster shot. Um, there was a time when it was unclear if that's going to be recommended or available. Uh, they're saying, yes, get one. 
And yes, it will be widely available. You're supposed to get the booster shot eight months after your initial shot. So I think for the majority of people, they're not really at that eight month point yet. So, but, but that we might be talking point. about healthcare workers, the people mm-hmm. who are on the front line, front right. lines of COVID nineteen, the COVID nineteen fight at the beginning. They're the ones that are going to be first eligible. That's right. It's going to be the people who were the first ones to get it. Uh, and right, like you said, healthcare workers. Um, now, one thing to point out is it's going to be the, the Johnson and Johnson vaccine is not in this. They the official said that. Johnson and Johnson, if you receive that vaccine, you will likely need a booster. But when this this week's recommendation only applies to those who've had the Pfizer or Moderna um, vaccine. So it's likely that Johnson and Johnson um, recipients will end up needing uh, the booster. But there's just it's just not it's not ready yet. They haven't got to that point yet. So um, that is important to note. And and like the um the the first doses if 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 you received uh, the first dose and or the second dose um i guess not or if you re- didn't receive the first dose you didn't get your second dose right but anyway <laughs> my point is like those first initial doses um uh the booster shot will be of no cost to the individual the federal government will pay for it of course taxpayers will be paying for it um, mm-hmm. But when if you go in for, to get to receive a booster shot, you will not be billed for that. Yes. Um, so the, I think uh, people have this has been a little more controversial, you might think, because a lot of people are saying, OK, so does the vaccine work or not? <laughs> are we and also this kind of so it kind of erodes vaccine confidence. Some of the things that the federal government has said or done have actually been criticized by vaccine recipients because. You know, there's this holdout group of people in the country who have been very reluctant to get the vaccine. And so things like, oh, saying, changing the stance to say, even if you receive the vaccine, you still have to wear a mask. Um, it wrote something called vaccine confidence, where people say, well, if the vaccine works, why do I have to wear a mask? If the vaccine works, why do I have to get booster after booster? Are there going to be um, unending series of booster shots? And so I, I just say to put that context around it because people may say, okay, a booster shot, so what? But there is kind of a broader discussion here around how to handle this and, you know, is and this incentivize people from getting the vaccine. And it's possible, maybe even likely, that this is going to become an annual or a semi-annual thing. Like the flu shot is it's optional. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, like the COVID-19 vaccine is, is optional. Uh, many people choose to go back every year and get the, the flu, flu shot in the fall or the winter. Um, we don't know yet. Um, we, we are 18 months into this pandemic, but we're still learning uh, things about it. But, uh, a COVID-19 vaccine, if you choose to get it, it's an individual choice. It might be something um, Americans who do choose to receive it get for years to come. Yeah, and it's interesting with the mandates, too. Um, there have been different mandates that various governments have been in place. New York City has been pretty strict where they said you have to have your vaccine, you know, proof yeah. of vaccination. So. Is it going to be the case that in six months you have to have your proof of booster shot? And are there any people who got the vaccine but really are, don't think the booster is necessary? Um, there's so much uh, kind of unstudied here. You know, we know a certain level about how safe the vaccine is, but probably even less about how safe the booster is. And so it's just layers of complexity, especially when you get these mandates in place that are going to be really interesting to follow. And Casey, you and I could go on and on about the various mandates, uh, mask mandates and vaccine mandates and all that, but uh, we've run out of time this week. 
as usual, thank you for joining me. This has been America in Focus. For Casey Harper, I'm Dan McCaleb. We'll talk to you next week.